Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Alrighty, friends, people, <laughs> anyone listening, um, we're going to do a little little podcast, topical, topical day. We're going to do a what now? A podcast. A podcast. Podcast. Oh my goodness. And it's going to be about friendships and creativity, man. Friendships and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, friendship's important. Yeah. So is creativity. Yeah. And maybe like relationships in a broader spectrum, relationships and creativity. Yeah. I mean, good ones, you know, like friendships. Like, I think that's all kind of part of it. Well, we can talk about, we can talk about the other side when you, when when you're not really friends and the downside of that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we can just get, get on into it. I mean, I, I was thinking about that because I'm like, you know, this podcast doesn't exist without our friendship. Yep. So, I mean, you know, and I, I think about, uh, doing a podcast all alone and I just don't see it as being as interesting unless they have a guest on there. And then to right. have guests, I would have to have friends, but you know, we bring on our guests. We have our friends, people who become friends by the end of the podcast, even mm-hmm. who maybe we didn't even know that well in the beginning. Yeah. And, um, you know, you want to make a movie movies, very collaborative, you know, and yeah. you can hire everybody and just, you know, you can do that. But I think if you have friends that are there supporting you and they're actually invested in you as well, it makes the job not only a lot easier, but a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was pretty much right. <laughs> well, <laughs> you hey. stole it right out of my, <laughs> out of my brain. It feels like, yeah, it just makes it a, a hell of a lot more, more fun to have, have friends collaborate on these things and, and just have to have a good relationship with the people that you're creating with. Uh, I'm sure that there's probably some issues that can come along with that in its own respect. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we talked thing. a little bit uh, with, um, our guests, uh, a little while ago, Eric and, and Sean, and Sean um, in terms of what happens when you, when you hire your friends. Um, but it can be, especially when there's, I think that the biggest thing with, for me in terms of having your, your friends, your personal relationships and, when that starts to meet with your, I guess your profession to a degree, there's sometimes like, there's a thing about, it is a profession being an artist, you know, of whatever sort that is. But sometimes it's something weird about being like, Oh, but like keeping your professional, like, cause it's not necessarily like keeping things professional, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So there's an element of keeping it professional, but there's a, there's a, I don't know. It seems to be kind of a funny word in the whole realm of, of artistic, profession just <laughs> yeah no totally. it seems strange it's like it's a strange word to to mix into it and that almost seems like it's a juggling act in itself but um yeah no in terms of you know you it's great to have your friends on um and and working collaboratively creatively with your friends uh and but i i think that there's there's a there's a certain degree of which there's has to be a, a level of respect and value in each other. That's, that's maintained because 
I think that there's just a lot of stuff that can happen within the creative process. I mean, we can just, we can be so nasty on our, on ourselves in the midst of it. And it's like, you throw someone else in, into it and see what happens. Like you and I have worked quite well together for a number of years. I mean, right now we're in, in pre-production to do a film, Mm -hmm. you know, that I wrote and we're going to be shooting that and putting that together. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be like certain stresses that are going to occur over it. Right. And, uh, and it's all like, all right, how, how are you going to deal with that? And how are we going to, to deal with some of these things that, that come up? I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I always wonder about that. Like, you know, is there a certain point where you, cause some people, I think if you spend too much time with them, not everybody. It's like a tolerance level. Like with certain people, you spend more time with them. They start to take each other more for granted. Other people have a really high tolerance for that. So they won't take each other for granted, even though they spend almost every moment together. And I think, you know, not every friendship is the same. I don't think every friendship has the same tolerance and patience for each other. And so I think, you know, as we're doing this podcast, we're also making this movie um, and even considering moving into a place together, you know, as I think about yeah. all of that stuff, I started to go, well, um, okay, you know, we might, we might want to be mindful about setting certain boundaries about how we work together just so that we don't, you know, overdo it. Because I think it's, you want to be around your friends all the time, but then at the same time, you know, you, I think you got to be sensitive about each other's tolerance levels. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I think one, one of the other things too is, really being sure of that when you're, if you're working creatively with your friends, when you're working, you're working. And when you're hanging out, you're hanging out and, mm-hmm. and being really clear about, okay, what are we doing right now? Are we working right now? Or are we hanging out? And it's in either is fine, but both people need to be clear because yeah. one person could be working. The other person is hanging out and the other person's getting secretly, they're getting like frustrated because they feel like their partner or buddy yeah. isn't pulling through. And I think that goes for anything, you know, it's like, and, and that's something I definitely learned, uh, on set. You know, if you want to be like an actor, director, writer, producer, you really need to talk to people and, and be like, look, right now I'm talking to you as the producer, or right now I'm talking to you as the actor right mm-hmm. now. I'm talking to you as a certain role because people, people need to not, because like what would happen is, you know, if you're the producer and you're the actor, for example, yeah, people treat the producer a certain way. It just, it just happens. Yeah. You know, you're the, you're the one, uh, you know, you're the one fronting the bills. You're the one making it happen. You're the one organizing the whole thing. But the actor is like this vulnerable, um, very sensitive being. Right. And so that person, when you're, when the actor, you're not trying to be in control of everything. So it's really important that people know who they're talking to when they, you know, when they have this discussion. Right. I think with friendships too, it's important to know, okay, where, what kind of discussion are we having right now? Yeah. You know, and that just helps clarity because I think there's like, you know, there's a lot of sensitivity comes up with creativity, you know, a lot of like, um, person, personal investment vulnerability comes into it. And it's, it's important to be sensitive about it. And, and also I think ask for permission, you know, when you're going to give someone feedback, for example, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I'm really working on being in the practice of saying like, can, would, would you be all right if I gave you feedback right now? Or, you know, and if there, if it's no, then it's no, you know, you're not okay. No problem. But making sure that it's really clear because I think otherwise people feel like 
they're in a sensitive place. They're not ready for the feedback. Yeah. You know? And so you gotta, you know, so I think that's an, that's a line we'll navigate more. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think that, yeah, it's, I, I think that when you said about boundaries, I mean, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge thing, but it's, there's, there can be something really rewarding and, uh, and enriching about working with your friends. Like uh, a friend of mine, uh, I got her to, to edit, uh, my book. Um, cause that's like, it's an area that she really excels at and it's not necessarily part of, uh, necessarily as, as much as you would think of the creative process of things, you know, it's like it was editing, right. Editing it and, and grammar and <laughs> punctuation, all that kind of stuff. But it was interesting getting to have that conversation with her her because she's like, she's a very good friend of mine mm. and she's never been really involved with anything that I've done creatively. She just kind of hears me talk about it in retrospect or, right. you know, whatever. She's always kind of on the outside looking in. And she even shared with me that it was really interesting to get to be a part of that world mm. with me. Right. And so that was, uh, terrific getting to have a conversation with her about her thoughts on the book and, and starting to probe me in terms of like, okay, like what were you trying to do and this and that. And that was a way for us to, um, work create in creatively. Like, even though, like I said, she was editing, but there were things that went into it because she needed context in terms of what she was giving me for feedback. Mm. And as I was giving her the context and bringing her into sort of what my process was and what I was thinking and and really opening up to that or opening up to let her into that. Um, it was, it was great to be able to have that exchange of dialogue that we almost never get to have, Mm. you know, we never get to like have that level of communication. Um, you know, and same thing with, um, you know, we had Marco Pasqua on, a little while back, the episode just released, I think a few weeks ago. And he's, he's one of my, you know, he's, he's one of my best friends, one of my, and for, for many, many, many years and getting to have him on the show and be a part of this thing that we do, uh, was really terrific. It actually, I think it, it reshaped our relationship in some ways in a, in a positive way, Mm. because again, it was a conversation that we never really have normally, you know, whenever we see each other, it's just like, yeah, your friends, you know, like you just kind of slip into your routine of how you are, especially when it's with old friends, you know, you just kind of slip into an old routine of like how you are with each other. And then sometimes you get to break that up through actively working towards something, even though we didn't necessarily have a direction <laughs> yeah. when he came on the show, but it was like, yeah, where there's, but the idea is to have this conversation to open up some ideas and whatever. Right. And to be able to have that experience with him, uh, was, was a terrific thing in terms of our relationship and, and as well as for the show. Totally. Yeah. And you know, you don't, you know, I think that's the nice thing about the podcast is everybody comes on with the intent to, to open up a little bit more. And, um, I think that's the really wonderful thing about doing this podcast with everybody that we do it with. And even just ourselves. I mean, we come on where I think, you know, 
I think it's interesting. It's like you and I, before, when we were writing, we would have these conversations about our own personal artistry and how we were navigating this industry and also how we personally were relating to the script we were writing and and what we were thinking about over the course of the week. And all of that stuff was like really like deep conversations. So I think the nice thing about creativity, it gives you a mutual bond that you share when you're doing it together. And then because of that, it gives you kind of the groundwork to open up a little bit more. I think when you sometimes maybe just go out for beers with somebody or coffee for somebody and you don't have this mutual thing, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily talk about the most important stuff in your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that when you're working towards something collectively, collaboratively, you know, towards a goal with somebody like actively working towards something. Whereas with, you know, when you're just like, and there is, there's, I think there's, we need both things. We need to have that, those moments with, with our friends in which we're just like, okay, you know what? Like there's no goal here. The goal is simply just to be with each other. Right. Right. Um, and then when we have a creative goal with our friends that can serve something else different, which is that it, it gets us, uh, to start working with talents and our abilities that we might not get to see in each other and to, uh, allow each other to flex creative muscles and stuff like that, that don't often get to come out in a setting of just like, yeah, sitting around hanging out. Well, and you know, also too, like, I mean, screenwriting, like when you and I were working together, writing scripts or when we have, I mean, it's, it's instant feedback, you know, you, you know, the way we were working, um, you know, which I'd be happy to share anybody the process we do, but you get instant feedback. You know, one of us would kind of go, okay, I got an idea. Let's try this out. And as we try that out, you know, we'd get a, uh, you know, we, we hear what the other person thought of it immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's, a uh, can, can work against you sometimes. So it can work for you as well. I think in our case, it worked for us maybe because we, we trusted each other enough to know that the intent wasn't malicious or out of jealousy or envy, Yeah, which is something that I actually want to kind of go towards in this conversation at some point too, is towards the jealousy and envy that can happen in a a friendship while you're doing creative things. Like, which I've definitely experienced on both sides. You know, I've been the, the jealous one and I've also experienced the jealousy, um, you know, or even envy, I suppose, come back at me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe what's happened is you're in a friendship or a relationship, some type of thing where you don't feel like you can, or they don't feel like they can share how they really feel. And so not making that person bad or wrong for being jealous or envious, but looking at how did I create a scenario where my friend doesn't feel like they can talk to me about this, that mm. they would feel yeah. the need to sabotage or do something or, or even that they didn't feel safe to share just their feelings just so it could be out in the open. I think like one thing between, at least from my perspective of, of what we've built, maybe I, I don't even know exactly how we've done it. Maybe if we broke it down, we could figure it out. But I feel like if I was jealous or envious or something was going on for me, I feel like I could tell you, I don't feel like that's something that I would be intimidated to. I don't feel like I would be like, I don't feel like, cause you know, sometimes people like I've had the experience where you tell them, but then they become offended or defensive about it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't have told them, you know what I mean? Which is right. like not a great scenario either. Cause now it's like, okay, well now they're like, 
they're not comfortable. But like the way I look at it is like, if that ever happened, I look at it as like, well, we can talk about it and like, and just kind of see like what's going on, you know, like, and, and seeing if someone's overstepping their bounds or doing something that's like rubbing the other person the wrong way. Like, I mean, I could see that happening. Like, you know, I'm pretty mindful about being careful about not sharing too many of my successes on Facebook, just because I have a lot of friends that are writers and I want to be mindful of them, not to make them, you know, I know that there's, there's two values. There's one values. I want to share my successes with everybody and let everyone know what's going on. At the same time, I also want them to know a certain reality that goes on because I think that if I'm only sharing like, Oh, I booked this job, got this job, you know, they're paying me this money. It sounds like everything is fucking fantastic all the time, yeah. but, but it really isn't. But when you, when you have highlights like that to talk about and other people don't, like I know this situation where someone's like, Oh, I just booked that role, book this role, just book this. Okay. I'm going to be on this one. By the way, I'm on TV tonight. And you're like an actor is like, you're like not getting auditions and you're like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, it's not even that you're upset about their success. It's just that like for me, the way I usually experience is like, what am I doing wrong to not even get the chance yeah. to, you know? And, and, uh, yeah. And so I think like, um, I think that goes on for people. So I think like, you want to be, you want to be a friend. You want to be considerate of others. At the same time, you don't want to be, you don't want to totally suppress your successes either. You yeah. know? So I, I think, you know, these are good topics to try to find like where, like that's a balance, right? Yeah. Like where, like, you know, I try to share some things like I try to share a little bit of my struggles equally with my successes. That way people get more of a, a grasp of what I'm actually going through. And, and, and there's not like a, uh, you know, cause I think of it like when I, when I think of all the contacts I have on Facebook, like I have quite a few, but I think of those people still as, as friends or, or potential people that I'm going to be a lot closer to, even if we're not super close. Yeah. So when I send something out, I try to be mindful to think like, you know, is, you know, especially like if I, if, if it's like success after success after success, I want to be mindful. Cause I don't, you know, I want to make sure that people, kind of know me more authentically than they do like me for how everything great is. Yeah. Say when I was younger, it was maybe I kind of promoted more how, every, how good everything was. And what I found out later was when I was struggling, a lot of people just assumed I was really good. Yeah. They just assumed everything was great because that's all they ever heard. Yeah. You know? And so then when I walked around, I was really struggling, but like my contacts, my people out there who hadn't maybe checked in with me for a bit, they just kind of assumed that everything was just going like so great and so wonderful. And the other thing too, is just a side note is I, you know, I I have a friend who told me at one point they were actually quite jealous of me and they, they were like, and they were, it was really like, just, they wanted to do what I was doing at the time. And so I was like, I was actually struggling, but they were like, thinking everything was so good for me. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of said something negative, which I didn't realize was actually quite hurtful to me, especially as I was more sensitive. Yeah. But they kind of didn't realize cause they assumed like everything's going so good. It's just like nothing would even affect him, but you don't know because if you're always presenting that you're better off than you are, you know, someone throws something back and they don't even realize, but it could, you know, but if you saw someone and they were super down, you might not say, you might be more mindful of what you said because you realize, oh, hey, like they're actually struggling. But you start to look sometimes invincible 
when you start getting a little bit of success in some area. And then also I think it starts to breed some of like the jealousy too. If like you just see somebody who's like nothing, nothing but the good. But if you see that this person is like, you know, a fallible, like, you know, questioning, like, uh, worried about many of the same things you are. Then when the successes come, you're like, Oh man, that's great. Yes. Like, I'm so happy f- for you. You know, like yeah. it's, and I think that that's, you know, this is a part of friendship that is, I think really overlooked and I'm really learning to reconnect with this too, because I, I think very much in, in my own life, just within my friendships, not just the pe- friends who, I, I work and collaborate with, um, but just in, in my sort of, I guess, quote unquote, normal friendships, uh, I'm learning that it's like, no, it's, it's oftentimes we just, we don't share our struggles, you Mm -hmm. know, or if we do, it's kind of just glossed over. And, you know, sometimes it's because we want to, we want to be able to simply hang out with our friends and enjoy each other's company. Right. And not have to like, you know, let some of that stuff just evaporate for our mind, from our minds for a few hours. Um, but you know, I recently started with, um, uh, with, again, with, with Marco who was on the show. This is a recent thing we started doing where we actually, because (laughs) so often like with, with him, it's like we would, not see each other or talk to each other for weeks or like a month or something like that. And then we would just, you know, hang out and whatever. Right. And kind of try and catch up with everything that's been going on. And we actually started, you know, once we start to open up our communication, um, and I know that over the last year, I think it's only been over this last year that it's become possible in some ways, like, and I think doing this podcast has helped in a lot of ways and what has been going on through the last, last year has helped in a lot of ways and just getting more honest with myself about where I'm at Mm. and, uh, and being able to talk to him now about like what I'm struggling with and, and he's able to talk to me more now about what we're struggling with. And so we have like a once a week check-in now Mm. we have like an actual time, like it's, it's scheduled, like this time, this day, we just do, do a check-in, just be like, how you doing? And everything like, how's life? Like, doesn't, doesn't matter. It's like, if everything's great, then great. If it's not, then what's going on, right? Like right. just, just to get this shit out of ourselves, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's important for us to, to acknowledge the struggles. I don't, I don't know necessarily what this has to do with like our creative working with our friends and stuff like that. Well, I but think uh, struggle is a part of creativity. I, I think that, you know, I would say that most of my best work comes out of my uh, awareness of my struggles, you know, my, my willingness to look into that. I, I, I think when everything's going really good, it's a product of, you know, your, your internal, truth or authenticity, like coming out in the world and, and, and actually benefiting you. You know, I think, um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think we live in a world where, you know, you're supposed to walk around all the time and you're supposed to smile all the time and act like everything's good and everything's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And sometimes things aren't good and they aren't fine and they aren't okay. And I don't know if you necessarily need to go around to every person and, and 
open up to them necessarily about that because I don't know if everybody's ready to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really good to have friends where you can actually say, you know, I'm actually struggling right now. Things aren't going as great as I would like, or this is, you know, and, you know, and sometimes I think it's just good to have a friend that can kind of cheer you up and give you a reminder and and like, let you know that like, you know, you're doing all right. You're working hard. Um, there was a, there was a story that someone shared with me quite a while ago, but it was something, I don't know if it's the bamboo tree or it's something like that, but it's a certain plant where, um, you know, you have to water it for like five years and you never see anything happen with it for like five years. And it's like so super frustrating because you're like constantly t- caring for it and doing all the right things. And then after five years, it starts to grow and then it grows really quickly and it becomes this really beautiful thing. Right. And the idea is that while it was being watered underground, it was actually building its roots and building strength and, and building a foundation for itself so that when it did grow and it grows relatively quick, it had something to lock it in and, and hold it solidly to the ground. Right. And I think as artists, more, most of, most of us have a journey that's quite like that, you know, where we spend a lot of time watering it and nurturing it and trying to take care of it and doing everything we possibly can. And we don't see really any results in the world. Yeah. And there's a certain point where we just go, well, it's never going to happen for me. It never has. And it just must never will. And really like, I think there's just a point where you've just laid your roots just, just enough where you're ready to actually rise. And then that recognition can also just all of a sudden almost come instantaneously. And, you know, I've had lots of friends that have, you know, gotten their TV shows or, or made their movie career or, or their writing career. And they've told me it's quite like that. You know, it's quite like this thing where you've been putting all this time into this thing, almost seeing nothing come back. Yeah. And then there's just, it's almost like, one day, one day it's like it works, but you don't really know what it's going to take to lay the roots. And it's hard to have that patience and that sustainability during that time, you know? Yeah. To maintain that perspective during the whole, the whole process, because we're in the midst of it, we're experiencing it. And everybody's basing it on your external results. I mean, it's like, you know, um, if you book some big role or you get a TV series, everybody goes, okay, well that's success. But you know, it's more successful in my opinion at this point in my career, it wasn't like this when I was younger, but at this point in my career is when I've written a scene and I know that it's moving. I know that I've connected deeply with it and I've, I've linked into something in myself that is truly vulnerable and profound, mm-hmm. even so vulnerable and profound that it almost strikes me as profound because I didn't even know that was inside of me, you know, mm-hmm. but the world will never see that the external world. No one will ever know that maybe until they read the scene and they might never read that scene. If that movie never gets made or that thing never gets done. Right. And so I think that as, as artists, it's, it's important for us to have a sense of reward that isn't based on everybody's accolades, you know, everybody's recognition outside of us. And I think friendship is where people who are your friends, they can see beyond the exterior and they can look inside and they can see your wins sometimes when you can't even see them. And they're not always the kind of successes that like fit. Like if I, if I get a script job, the whole, and I say, I put that on Facebook, everybody goes, congratulations. Yay. Wonderful. Like you're so awesome. And blah, blah, blah. Good luck. You know, and everybody sees that. Yeah. 
but there's lots of times where I don't get the script job. In fact, most of my life is not getting that job, you know? And besides that's only one moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but a friend will see, you know, like, you know, yeah, like you're really committed to that. You're working really hard at that. It's like, um, you know, you might tell them about a scene that you wrote and they're like, excited about that or something you're working on, you know, but no one's necessarily giving you that a plus out there in the world. Yeah. That's not really what matters. And I think that having friends, it allows your internal world to not need to be broadcasted because they, if they really are a friend, they care to look in and see more of who you are and what you're doing beyond Mm -hmm. all this other stuff, you know? And the other thing, a real friend doesn't care if you're successful or not. They don't care. Right. Yeah. But like, well, I mean, they, they care in terms of like your, your general well being. Yes. You but know, not but for their own, like, yeah, but not in like, yeah, you're like, you're either my friend or you're not <laughs> based on the success level that you're having, which happens. Yeah. Which actually happens. I think that, you know, there's probably some listening audience that is probably experiencing that, you know, where you, you, you know, if you're on the other end of this podcast and you're thinking like, well, if I lose this job or I lose this position, or if I'm not a part of this group, will these still people still be my friends? And if they won't be, they're not your friends because real friends will stay your friends, regardless of if you're involved in their group or if you're involved in their thing, or if you can give them, you know, the benefits of the accolades of whatever, you know, cause those are coattail riders. Those aren't real friends. Yeah. Real friends are the ones. And, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't be a real friend. It either means that they, at this point, they don't have the capacity to do it, or you didn't go out and build a real friendship with them. You know, it's one of the two. And I, I like to take the latter. I like to say, well, it's probably because I didn't go out and actually build a real friendship with them. Yeah. You know, I, I was maybe lazy with the friendship. I look at things like that much more today than I ever do on the blame side of things. Cause you know, I think some people are just not in a place where they're ready to be friends with anybody. Cause they're not even friends with themselves in any way. And they're not in a given state of mind. They're in a taking state of mind. Mm-hmm. And some people are just there and there's nothing you can do about it. And it doesn't make them bad people. It just means that they're still in process or pro- they need to make progress. But I think that there's lots of people that are ready to have real friendships, but they don't necessarily know how to take the lead on it. So I think that for us, building friendships and our creativity is about us reaching out and actually being proactive about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the benefit is that you have someone who's like in your corner, who's on your side. Mm-hmm. It's like more than just there for, you know, as this, as company. Yeah. Right. Cause I think there's a lot of friends that can, you can have around that are just company mm-hmm. and, and it's nice to have company, but your company doesn't always see what's really going on for you. Yeah. You know? Um, and I also think one other thing, just cause I still have the floor a little here, I would say, ask better questions of your friends. And I think the biggest lesson I'm learning now more than ever, cause I've been doing all these interviews is ask your friends, the real questions ask them like, what's the biggest challenge in your life right now? Ask them what their fears are. Ask them what they really truly want. You know, what's their dream look like? If you don't know that about your friend, I don't think you know your friend yet. Mm. And that's what I'm realizing more and more is like, how many people do you know in your life? Do you know what their dream day looks like? And I, and I, the realization I'm having is like, man, there's some people I didn't know what their dream day looked like. And I'm like, I'm so glad I do now. And I didn't know what they were scared of. I, I, you know, and maybe I, you know, it's not that I didn't care. Maybe I just didn't know to ask the question, but now that I am asking the questions, I'm really looking deeper into these friendships because I think 
what I'm seeing more is these are the conversations that actually matter. You and I have that luxury of doing this podcast because we come on here and we kind of bear our souls a little to each other in this audience, but not everybody has this outlet. Not everybody Mm -hmm. has even not, not that they couldn't do it, but they haven't, they haven't even fallen into it because I think in some ways we fell into it. Which, yeah, absolutely. Like it was something that just kind of happened by, by accident. But now I would say I'm, I'm an advocate of it. I mean, if you're listening to this right now, I mean, you're a creative person. Fuck it. If you're not even a creative person, I mean, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to scratch that as well. We're all creative beings. (laughs) We're all, we're all creative beings, but whether you're in like an artistic or creative field that, or that is kind of associated as being a creative, uh, field or not. Um, I think you, you should be having these conversations with somebody, you know, like some, maybe that's, uh, you know, a friend you made in, in art school, or you met in acting class, or, you know, maybe you've, uh, you've jammed with or something like that, played some music with before who you really had, you know, some kind of a bond with, Hmm. you know, see if you can set something up and start having these conversations with them. Like I benefit so much from having these conversations with you. And I know that all of our guests who have come onto this show have, have like told me at some point, like whether it was right after or, you know, days, weeks, months later, just saying like, man, this is, that was, that was so awesome what you did. I want to have, I want to get my friend to come on your show. You know, I want them to come and have this conversation with you. And I mean, it's great that we can, that we can do that, but on a, on a grander scale, it would be fantastic for this, these conversations to be having in living rooms or, you know, (laughs) coffee shops or, or beer places as we, we like to do it or how we originated from start having these conversations that don't really have any specific place to go other than it being an exploration of your own process and, or each other's processes, what you, what you think, because I discover what I think about things on this show. Sometimes I don't even know what I think until I'm in the middle of saying something. Yeah. And I go, Oh, okay. I guess that's kind of what I think about that. Or I discover, you know, something I didn't think of at all. You know, like there's just like, it's a brand new thing for me. It's, it's completely fresh. And, uh, and yeah, I think that that's why so many people then end up going on and doing creative stuff together is because you start to bond on that level of creativity. And we talked a little bit before we started recording, you know, you look at those, um, you know, that crew, like the Seth Rogen, you know, James Franco, Jonah Hill, you know, like those, like they just keep making stuff together. Yeah. You know, it's like you can, you watch what they do and you say, uh, these guys are obviously friends, you know, like they're all obviously just hang out outside of, of working. And then they also work together and they make these really terrific, you know, hilarious types of things. And some of them are actually very moving things. They've done a couple of great projects that were, that were not, I wouldn't say dramatic leaning, but (laughs) dramatic elements (laughs) in them. But yeah, that's like the product of a bunch of, a bunch of people who, 
And I think this is, I, I guess I'm kind of coming back to this in some ways, but it's a bunch of people who all have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, you look at the pedigree that's kind of behind that. Yeah. You know, some of them are maybe no more so well known as being like the more funny, funny people like Seth Rogen or, and then you have the dramatic chops, like someone like James Franco, but they all have shown that they can do, they have a variety of skills like to the world and to each other. Yeah. And, uh, and they come together and they, and I think they just value and respect each other and they make it work. I'm sure that they argue about stuff. I'm sure that they have disagreements, but I'm sure if for them to have done as much stuff as they have together already, I, there's a level to which that they're, they all will listen to each other and let each other try things out and do things and say, it's like, Hey, I have an idea and go like, all right, go for it. Yeah. And if it works, you go, ah, no, I mean, we're kind of the same way, right? It's like, Oh, I have this idea. And you put them down and say, what do you think? And yeah. you're like, uh, <laughs> and then you explain your reasons. Cause yeah. like, and then I go, Oh, okay. You know, like, cause I respect your opinion. Yeah. I value your opinion. Um, and I know what you're capable of doing. And, and I go, okay, I, that's completely valid. Let me adjust some things because, you know, you're seeing something that maybe I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, or, or there's something that's like, yeah, I agree. You have a better concept here. And, and other times it's like one of us will put something down or make a contribution and we go, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it allows the room for that to happen. And I think, um, you know, I think having a friend is also having someone you're not afraid to fail in front of, Yeah. you know, because I think that so much, so much of our life is, and I, I am working diligently on deprogramming myself of being afraid of failure or even thinking that failure is a negative Yeah. period, regardless of who it's in front of. But I think one thing that I learned working on you with screenplays too, was that you know, as we built forward, we weren't afraid to fail in front of each other. We try things, they wouldn't work out. We try it again. And eventually, you know, because I think you're going to fail way more times than you're going to succeed ultimately. Like, you know, like if you look at like for the, for example, I was talking to another writer about this, but if you look at the drafts of a script, you'll probably write, you know, at least three, if not like seven or 10 or, you know, 15 or scripts more, yeah. or whatever. So you're going to fail 14 times before you ever get to the script you want. Yeah. And we don't even look at it that way. You know, if you keep writing, but everything else was a failure in truth. And so the thing is, is that failure is not bad. Failure is a part of the process. So if we started to embrace failure as like, I'm going to try this. Okay. This didn't work out exactly. Okay. Now I got some feedback. I'll try this. I'll try that. And I'll try whatever. And however many times it takes. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, especially as a screenwriter, and I'm sure it's the same as a filmmaker, you go forward and probably an actor and everything else, but you go forward and you go, okay, this is the best I got right now. At the end of the day, this is what we're doing because I think you can always look back and always see that it could be better. And I think if you're trying to tell yourself it's perfect, you're probably lying to yourself because you know, deep down that there's more you could do but at some point you've got to ship it. You've got to make it work. And that's what it is. Yeah. And you move on to the next thing. Yeah. You know, and see where that goes and see where that goes. I mean, we're constantly in this duality and you know, of 
pursuing perfection, but never being able to attain it. Mm-hmm. And I think I, it's, it's interesting, this whole thing of success and failure. And yes, like having, having like good friends to create with is incredible because you have a level of support around each other. And it's like, yeah, you're not afraid to fail. And I've been recently, I've been getting introduced into this concept and my, I'm only just starting to wrap my head around it. Um, I've been reading, um, this book by Alan Watts right now. And he talks about this whole notion of, you know, very much in, in Western philosophy and the way that we, we approach things. It's like, we, we like to segment things. We like to look at a very specific part of it, but he's like, and we, and we break it down in that part and all of its detail. But in that process, we very often lose its relationship with everything else. Mm. And it's, and you bring this up. I'm like, it actually helped me some of this, some of these concepts click for me because he's talking about it in, in, in a certain sort of way. Um, but I can see how this can apply to this thing of success and failure. You know, we, we put these things in, they're in two separate boxes, right? Success is in this box. Failure is in this box, (laughs) right? But he compares this sort of thing. It's like, no, it's like, you have to consider a lot of these things that we consider opposites as part of, they're not opposites. Mm. They are part of the same movement. Mm. Actually, they are actually part of the same body, just as like the scalp of your head and the, and the, bones of your feet are part of the same body, but they have different functions, but they all are part of the same body, right? That's a really good analogy. I mean, if you think about walking, for example, if I'm, my goal is to, to move forward, every time one leg moves forward, the other fails. The other fails to move forward. But right? what, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, it's kind so of a strange way of thinking about think, it. But yeah. if you think about it, like it takes failure in many ways for most things to succeed. Like it takes a certain amount of failure. I don't know how much it will take, but we, we might measure it on, Oh, well, if I fail more that it's somehow worse. I mean, you know, if we, you could say someone has a a gimp leg, right? They have a leg that just, it's really hard for them to move, but their other (laughs) leg is fine. I don't think that's the most politically correct, (laughs) but I I love it. A gimp gimp leg. The guy's got a gimp leg. It's got a gimp leg. Whatever you pull your hip flexor. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So you, you, so you, your leg, one of your legs is not optimal performance. The other one is, you know, more optimal. So, you know, maybe you move your, you, you know, your, your one foot up to your next foot, like you, your left foot's good. Your, your right leg is not so good. So what ends up happening is you, you, you walk forward, but you only really use your left to like really do most of the forward movement and the other, you're kind of dragging along as you go. You yeah. know what I mean? So like you do what you got to do. I mean, like, I think that sometimes we're dealing with, we're dealing with limitations. We're dealing with challenges and we're fallible and we're flawed and, and we have, limits or, um, what's the word it's, uh, impediments. We have impediments in our life. Yeah. And I think that we must not make impediments wrong. You know, sometimes, you know, like, uh, like playing sports. I remember like, you know, I remember playing on an injured knee and we won the game and you know, you're three subs, you're not able to sub or whatever, you know, you, you, in soccer, you, you don't go out, you, you keep playing. It doesn't matter. You got a gimp knee, right? Like you, you just, do it. You know, you keep going. And the thing is, is that you might not be at optimal. 
You might not be playing the best you can ever play, but right now it's important that you're there because it's the best you got for the time you're in. And Mm. I think that if we gave ourselves a little bit more, um, appreciation and kind of kindness towards what it takes to actually, you know, show up. Um, I, I think that we would, we wouldn't make failure so bad and, and failure is a part of the process. I mean, if you want to be a millionaire, you want to be wealthy, for example, like the, one of the, one of one way I know is sales. And if you want to do sales, you got to be willing to take up to 99 no's before you can get one. Yes. If you can mm-hmm. take 99 no's and you get one yes, and you can, and you have that type of tolerance, you will probably almost certainly succeed and become ex- exceptionally wealthy at sales. Yeah. But most people don't have that tolerance. In fact, they say most people don't even have the tolerance up to three. Once they hit three <laughs> failures, no, I'm not kidding. Yeah. This is the, you know how they say some people are salesmen and some people are saleswomen and some people aren't. Yeah. It's just a matter of tolerance. So how many no's are you willing to take before, you know, and how much are you willing to learn? Because, you know, if you're really good at sales, what you'll do is, and if anyone's ever done sales calls, they know this to be true mm-hmm. is you'll call the first person. You'll have your little spiel. You'll say it to him. You'll fuck it up. It won't go very well. You go, man. Okay. Maybe that was more me than it was them. Then the next one you call, even if it goes well, it doesn't matter. You'll call the next person. You'll refine that little spiel a little yeah. bit more. You refine it, refine it, refine it. By the time you get to the hundredth call you've done, you're, you're, you're so sharp. You've refined it so much. You just know exactly what you're going to say. And you, and, and you've gotten all this feedback from everybody else. Even if every single person has said no, which almost never happens. But if it does at that point, you're gotten so good at it. Now, your, your, your amount of return starts to increase because if you haven't gotten thrown off and made it all personal and made it about you tends to be that you're going to be communicating really clearly. Yeah. You know, and I think like that's, that's part of it. I mean, we're like, I I use this example a lot with um, my, my students or my clients that I work with when they're making a film. I'm like, you know, how many times do you think you fell before you actually, like started walking and not falling over more than you, you know, walking more than you fell. How, how many times, you know, yeah. if you would have given up, you know, Oh, I fell over. I guess I'm going to not walk. I guess that's not what I'm doing in life. Yeah. You know, you would have, you wouldn't be walking. You wouldn't fit in, but you had such a desire to figure it out that you're willing to fail, fail, fail as many times as it took yeah. to figure out how to do it. And yet still today, we still fail a little, we stub our toe. We, we, we bump into stuff. We do things, you know, and and we, uh, we're not perfect yet. Some, for some reason we decide, Oh, when I get to a certain age, I should have this a hundred percent figured out. And guess what? I think like creativity and artistry is like something that you never have a hundred percent. You're always going to have that chance to refine it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we just looked at it as like failure is just an opportunity for me to see how I could refine. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't look at it as this negative. It doesn't mean anything yeah. about us personally. Yeah. And the other thing is like, once you also get your creatively to a point in your work where it's like, yeah, you could continue refining and refining and refining, but that now it actually, it's, I think it's still, it reaches a point where it's like, well now refining is kind of subjective as well. Mm-hmm. It hits a point where it's just like, it, are, are you actually going to be making it better? Yeah. At this I, point, totally. like, it's like, now it's like, you know, dim, you can call it diminishing returns, but like, you might actually be making it worse at some point if you keep on screwing around with it. I think, 
I think it can eventually start to come back. Well, I think that's, you know, and I think like to bring it all back to our same point is that being able to fail in front of someone, that's a friend mm-hmm. because a friend lets you fail because if you always have to be perfect, then you will, you will start to actually take away from what you're doing. I, I was in an acting class, um, and the teacher wanted us to do like all these really specific little things. I was so out of the moment. Like I, I don't even like, it was so hard for me to mm-hmm. act. And she's like, you know, you're a really good actor, but you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. Really? Like <laughs> all I really needed to do was just oh be God. in the moment. I'm not kidding. Right. Like, and, and, and I had so much, my mind was like on overdrive trying to think about all the shit I had to do. And like, you know, I, whenever I try a class, like I know you're laughing cause it is funny, oh. but, but whenever I try a class, I'm going to try to embrace whatever the teacher is telling me. I'm going to go, yeah. I'm not going to do anything half-assed. If a teacher says like, unless it's ethically or morally against what I believe in, I'm going to go, okay, you know what? I don't know if I understand or agree this method entirely, but let's try it and let's see. Because I figure at least if I go a hundred percent into it, as long as it doesn't compromise my morals and ethics and who I am as a person, what I stand for, then it's fine. I'll go into it. But with this, I mean, like I became like the most, the worst I've ever acted. I mean, I might as well have been like when I started, like, you know, and it was even worse than that because there was even something authentic about when I started that wasn't there. It was just too much. And you know, what I realized after it all is she had all these control mechanisms that she could do and her students would listen to her to get to just do all these things. And in theory, a lot of her ideas were really good, but the way that she was at least explaining them to me, and I don't know, like maybe someone else interprets them different than I did. And maybe, you know, maybe there's some brilliance there that I missed, but the way I was interpreting it was that I had to make sure I was doing all this shit. And, and if I did something wrong, you know, it was like really called out hard in, in class. Yeah. And that was not a safe environment. I felt very scared to fail. And, and, you know, my, you know, like my acting really suffered because I think what helped me as an actor, especially as an actor is being in those classes where the teacher was like, okay, like, and I, I think that you, you know, it's not just about just try stuff out, like fail always, but it's about a little bit about refining and helping you. Yeah. You have to be, feel okay that you can do it wrong because you might not do it right. You know, and I think most yeah. times you won't, you know, do it right. Quote unquote. In some ways, <laughs> I think that this is, this conversation is not necessarily about working with your friends and bringing friends, but is about being a friend mm. to the people that you work with. Right. I think you so too. Yeah. Like it's no matter, no matter what the situation is. Maybe you don't even know this person very well, but to be a friend to this person, because that's how you help people thrive yeah. the best, you know, it's like, and, and to be, that's not to say it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, all right, well, we'll go out for drinks after and, you know, or this kind of mundane shit, but no, like act like being a supportive partner mm. to this person, you know, to have an understanding of what, human beings need and require to thrive. You know, like when we think about what a friend really does for us, I mean, this is like, they're the people that allow us to sort of, to, to be, to be who we naturally are, 
you know, fully, completely. And I mean, what more do you need in art Mm. than to have that around you? And sometimes that can maybe take on many different forms, right? Like there's, (laughs) it's a very dramatic story and I'm not necessarily condoning this action, but, um, in Sidney Lumet's movie, Sidney Lumet's book, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the book is. Um, I'm pretty sure he only wrote one, Okay. but, uh, he talked about, he's a director. He's like an old school, famous director. And he tells a story about like how on the set of this one production, he slapped like a famous actress across the face. Um, because she couldn't get herself to the place that was demanded of the scene. Right. And they were going over and over and over and over again. Is she going to do it? And so he walked up and like, I don't know how hard he slapped her, but you know, he gave her a bit of a slap in the face, like actually physically slapped her in the face. And she did the scene like to perfection, right? Like it gave her, and they, they cut the cameras and she, she came over to him and she just went like, Oh, she threw her fucking arms around him. And she was just like, thank you. And blah, blah, <laughs> and it's like, it's very dramatic. And I don't even know necessarily what I think about it, but in some ways I'm like, I think he was actually being a friend to her because he actually really, really, lo- really loved this woman was loved that he was working with her. Um, but she needed something to just fucking shake her up so she could do her job. Mm she needed this so that she could perform the best that she could. And so he kind of gave that to her. So it was a weird sort of way that he was supporting her Mm. and also getting what he needed as well. Right. Yeah. But they were both like, it was, it was a weird story because it seems so like abrasive and whatever, but like it was two people actually really supporting each other Mm. in this joint effort. Right. I think in, in intent is important in, in all the things that we do. And I think you're right. I mean, I think this is really about being a friend more than it is about, you know, working with having your friends. your friends around. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, I think the only way you know a friend is by the degree that you can be a real friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you're in a scenario where you're finding you don't have a lot of friends around, it's probably a product of you haven't really known how to be a friend yet. You just haven't known. And so, because it's like that, you know, it's, it's this mindset, like giving actually gives you everything you ever wanted and trying to get almost gets you none of it. You'll almost never have it. And, and it's this weird phenomenon, I think of our world, but if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If I continually go out and I give friendship and I really give real deep, true, authentic friendship, chances are that I'm going to teach everybody what a friend is and they're going to experience that and go, that's what I want to do Mm -hmm. too. And so they're going to, everybody I interact with, it's going to multiply back to me. Yeah. If I go out in the world and everybody I talk to, I'm trying to get friendship from them. Not only am I not going to teach them what kind of friend I want, but I'm going to be totally giving them the power to decide what a friend is. And they might not know, and they might not care at the time to need a friend. Yeah. So I think like, you know, friendship is an interesting thing because you know, you raise a really good point. It's about who we go out in the world and, and what, how we're being and what we give before it ever is what we get. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we create that world for ourselves. And I think that most of the troubles that I've ever had where I've felt without friends was because I was more in a time in my life focused on what kind of friendship I could get than I was on what kind of friendship I could give. If I'm mm-hmm. honest with myself. And I think this is the thing is we just don't realize how powerful we are. Yeah. And I, and you know, there's another saying, and I want to cut you off. Yeah, no, 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 go. They say that a friend is not, um, it's a, a friend is not for how long you've had them. You know, that, that has nothing to do with friendship. It doesn't matter how much you've known them, how long you've known them. None of that matters. No, what really matters is how you guys are being with each other and how truthful and authentic it is because you could have a friend who's being a really true friend in this moment. And then they could decide to in the next turn and totally betray and totally let down everything. And, you know, the, the real miss is not so much about what was going on with them, but the fact that you missed that that was going on with them. The fact that you weren't paying enough attention to see that they were in a place where they were struggling so much. And I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but like you don't control what anyone else does. Yeah. But the thing about being a friend is about paying attention, you know, trying to pay attention and trying to be real and be authentic in that moment. But you don't really know what people are going to do. And the other thing is, even if you could have paid attention, it's the, not the need to try to make it different than it is, but to not be caught so, so by surprise, because most people are already giving you warnings before they ever do anything they ever do. Like if someone betrayed you, they probably gave you a monumental amount of warnings before they ever betray. And the thing is, is it's not, the betrayal isn't good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Then what they did wasn't good. But the fact that you missed the several warning signs might be that you have a certain amount of cognitive dissonance. You're not paying attention. You're taking a certain amount for granted right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, like it's to call that stuff out to like, look at that before anything, before it amplifies, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think there's also a degree to which, I mean, sometimes we, we don't always recognize the signs. Sometimes we don't have a certain experience to know why somebody's acting a certain way. Um, but I mean, it's like you were saying, we only really can control what we give, right? Like we can control the friendship that we give to people. We, we don't know how people will respond. I've had experiences of friends I've had for years and years and thought that they'd be my friends forever. And then suddenly something just Mm -hmm. changes and it's shocking. Yeah. It's shocking. You never know what's going to happen. And, and I mean, it's, so it still goes say it's like, you can only really control the friendship that you give and whether somebody is going, I, I think that the problems come when you expect people to give it back to you because you yeah. can give all of the most amazing friendship. Maybe there are signs there or whatever. It doesn't mean that you, you, someone could still, you could still reach out to someone and say like, Hey, there's something going on. Like, I, like, you know, what's, you could be being a, a terrific friend to somebody and they just won't see it that way. Yeah, you know, and, and they could, you know, do something very hurtful regardless of what you do. Um, and there's not really a whole lot that you can do about that. Right. Um, I think it, I think, well, you know, I, I think it does, we experience it as a surprise and it's a, it's kind of a, you know, it's part of 
it's part of growing up. But I think in hindsight, we look back and we go, okay, well, I saw certain things and that's just part of us just not being honest enough with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that you don't want to give in a friendship expecting that you'll get the same thing back. I mean, you know, I had a friend, a colleague, friend and colleague I was working with and, you know, whenever this person had to work, um, I would always pick up the slack. I would always just be there, you know, no problem. I'll make sure that I take care of it. I get it. You, you got this job. I have the luxury of being a full-time artist, so I don't have to necessarily do that. And a time came around when I had to work and they didn't, and they did not have the compassion and empathy. And I thought, you know, I've been there taking care of things all the time when you weren't here. And now all of a sudden I, I'm missing for a, you know, a, a brief period of time and all of that energy and all of that time I put in to try and be there for them. They didn't appreciate or respect or whatever. Now I don't have any control whether they do that or not. And, and, you know, at the time it hurt a lot. It hurt a lot to be like, okay, well I have your back. You don't have mine. Um, but when I look back in hindsight, I look back and I go, you know, what was going on for this person and where were they at? And and what had I seen before? And when I look back at this person, if I'm really honest with myself, I look at someone who didn't necessarily have a lot of self-confidence, didn't have a lot of high Mm self-esteem, um, also was doing a job that they hated. And also there was that jealousy envy thing going on, you know, between us a little bit for them with me. And that was coming up in conversation. Actually, there's some warning signs, you know, granted, I didn't have the maturity to deal with it. When I look back in hindsight, I go, you know what, I guess it's not as actually as much of a surprise as I thought. Yeah. So in the future, I can, I can be more mindful of it. At the time though, I experienced it as a surprise. I did not see that coming, you know? And I think that, um, you know, that's, in some ways I failed to be the kind of friend that was paying attention, but at the same time, there was an innocence to it, you know, like, so I don't think it's about, I don't think it's about being like, Oh, I should have been better. It's nothing about should have. It's about, I can learn from this and be better moving forward. You know, I think I'm better with every friend I have since that friend, that friend taught me a lot. I think it's unfortunate that that friend let their smaller self get the best of them. But and, and I, and I feel that it's fair to say that, but at the same time I look and I go, you know, it is what it is. I mean, there's, you know, I think this, I think we live in a culture too, where if we all had a really high sense of self-esteem and confidence, we, meaning that we believed in ourselves, we knew, we knew we had options. We knew that we were capable and valuable and meaningful. And we weren't worried about, you know, any of that. I don't think even a fraction of the problems would happen. I would say that most problems in, at least in my experience that happen with friends, then they disagree with me. If you think so, it's usually because of low self-esteem or a lack of confidence. It's a personal matter for them. It has nothing to do with you. You just happen to reflect that thing inside of them that they're not okay with. Mm. And when I think of myself, when I was in my smaller self, I think of one particular friend and I thought, man, like, you know, I, I don't think I did anything particularly bad, but in certain ways I look at it and I go, man, I was not as good of a friend with this person as I would have liked to have been, but I was in my smaller self. I did not have the self confidence and the self esteem. And I did not have that personal value. I think why I'm much better with friends now is I am very much more deeply connected with that. 
And I think that's the, the trouble. I mean, I bet if you look through almost every friendship or relationship you've ever had, most problems will come from that. And, it, it, and, and that's the hard part. That's the part that's so frustrating as a friend, because you go, you, you, you want to take it on personally, but everything's a projection ultimately at the end of the day. So it has to be personal for them. Mm-hmm. It just has to be, it can't, it, our psychology can't let it be any other way. You know, we, we, we only understand the world. I've never seen the world through your eyes. I mean, I've never experienced what you've experienced. I haven't, the, the same things that mean the same thing to you don't mean the same thing is to me, yeah. you know, um, and your experience of it is totally unique. So no matter how much I try to understand what it's like to be you, I never will, never will yeah. fully. And that's like with every friend. And I think the, the true test of a friend is someone who's willing to go, let me really try to see what it's like for you and really try to make sense of that, you know, and, 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 and in the same time, friendships, this wonderful risk, because we never really know, we never really know for sure. And we, you know, and people aren't always honest. I mean, we know this, people are not honest about how they feel and what they're really thinking. A lot of the time they don't feel safe. And we live in a culture that fosters that. So to be a friend is, is a bit of a gamble. And sometimes these gambles don't work out with any relationship. Yeah. Any romantic relationship, anything. So I think the thing is though, you're right. I mean, the best we can do is be a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, like, I think the only point that I was going to make is like, you know, we can learn from these things. Like, you know, we can have relationships fall apart and say, okay, you know what? I understand how, how I was like this and like that. And we can learn how, and, but again, it still comes back to just like, okay, so this changes still only what I can give to people but sometimes we take it on as like an idea of like, okay, I've learned this from that. So now I can, I can learn how to, how to prevent this from happening, how to, how to control this situation. And it's just like, there's still only the, still the thing, like, so we sometimes think that we can, we can use these experiences as a way of kind of controlling others. Hmm you know, it's like, okay, so I'll be able to be like this so I can prevent my friends from acting this way in the future. Right. And it's a way of trying to control, but no, it's like you, you still can't do that. You can still only control what you give that like you can have learned this lesson and, and, you know, implemented that into your own sense of being and, and the way that you, you relate to your friends and you reach out to your friends, how, whatever it is. And you could still experience some sort of, um, a a falling out or a distance grow between people who, you know, were your friends. Like there's, that can still just happen. Right. And I think it's about coming to a sense of peace about that. It's not about being apathetic about it at all. It's, it's about, I think having a bigger understanding about what it is that you can actually do and the person that you can be within these situations. Right. Yeah. I think that's all, that's all my point is. No, on, I think you raise a good point. I think like thing. how my, my next question based on that. And I, I mean, is how does all this relate to creativity? And mm. I think that we, we try to get creative about our control and that's the problem. And I think that's where these partnerships and friendships break down in the creative realm is that you try to get creative about getting the way you want and getting your yeah, control. Because it's still manipulating, it's right? Manipulating. It's like, Oh, I've gotten creative. I'm more compassionate about how I manipulate people. 
<laughs> and it's like, no, there's no, there's no real more compassion when, if you're manipulating people, it doesn't, doesn't matter how you dress it up. Right. Yeah. It's like manipulation is manipulation. It, it still comes down to what you give. Yeah. How do you support the people around you? I think, and you know, and, and, uh, I did some work on manipulation too. Manipulation is like, we're, we're technically always manipulating. I mean, we're manipulating our world. We're manipulating everything all the time, but, um, manipulation has become synonymous with bad, but in truth, manipulation is a problem when it's a lie. Like mm. if you tell someone I'm trying to control you and you're honest about that and they, and they could, and you said, what do you think about that? Are you okay with that? then just watch how, how the manipulation goes right now. If you come at manipulation from a point of, you know, I like, like there's two energy forces with two people, right? If one person, one energy force, at least two energy forces, you have your entire, uh, agenda, your goals, your focus, your dreams. Those are all inside of you. I have my goals, my focus, my dreams. Those are all inside of me. Now, as much as they align, say, for example, to make this a really good podcast or to write a really great script or to make this movie, your reasons for doing it and why you want to do it are different than mine. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know because we, we have not discussed enough how much they are the same and different and whatever. Manipulation, if I come from a manipulation is to say, why do you want to do it and help control help you do it through what you actually want to do. And it aligns with what I want to do. That's a good manipulation. That's actually looking at you and not trying to make you be any different than what's actually in your heart. But if I try to get you to do what I want to do and am not mindful of what you care about and what's important to you, then that's where manipulation comes bad. But I think that's more how it's used today because people are being like controlling and and Mm -hmm. control freaks, so to speak. And so I think like, when we talk about friendship, friendship is about, I care about you enough and respect you enough that I would want you to feel that you're doing this because you want to do it. Not because I want you to do it, but like, like here's my perspective, you know, and, 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 and that's, this is what I'm seeing, but like seeing, and it takes work. I mean, it takes work to look into the other person and try to help, you know, at least, or understand why they want what they want. You know, like, um, you, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think we can all agree on certain values. Like, for example, I was working with a, a writer today and, um, he was saying, you know, I really want to move the audience. And he keeps talking about emotionally connect and move the audience. Mm-hmm. And he got feedback on his script and it didn't go great. And, and, you know, he wanted to do it. I, told him like, it's probably premature, but you, you know, go ahead if you want to do it, but just be mindful. And, um, you know, and they're telling all these content things, change this part of your scene, change this character. Why don't you just, you know, it's like, and I said, well, what's, and he's like, they didn't like the opening of it. And I was like, okay, what, what were you trying to do in that first act? Like when you changed it the last time and the first time he was using the cliche, I'm going to start with the action scene everybody's going to be excited because it's action. You know, it's going to be, you know, whatever. And then he realized that was relatively cliche. Mm-hmm. So he changed it to something that was a little bit more, I'd say a progressive strategy, which is like, I'm going to launch people in by kind of naturally progressing them into the story a little mm-hmm. more, but he wasn't. And I, and I just called him out. I said, well, 
what does this scene do for the audience other than tell them what they're about to get into? And it really, he didn't have an answer because when he did the work, he didn't realize that that scene wasn't just about getting data across. It was about moving the audience too. And so I sent him away with the kind of note of like, you say you want to move the audience. You say, this is what you want to do emotionally impact them. So why don't you reevaluate the scene? Not from what your, your table read is telling you to do, but from a place of like, what am I trying to do emotionally to connect to them? Now, the thing is, is that I'm, I'm helping change the scene, but I'm doing it through what he wants to do, you know, and what he values is important to do, not what I think is the right way. I don't care if it's the action scene or the progressive scene. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you're achieving the real goal, which we both know is important that with this scene or this part of the story that you move or, or give the audience some emotional experience. And so I think that there's, there is, you could say, if you look at, there's a manipulation in that, but it's not through, I never gave him the answer. I never said, do this or do that. I still don't know what he'll do, mm-hmm. but if he comes at it, regardless, if he comes at it from the experience, from upholding the value, I don't think that they can go wrong. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's the kind of thing we got to be as friends with each other. We got to be the kind of people that help each other uphold our highest self, Yeah. you know, and, and not let each other be our smaller selves as best we can. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I think of, um, you know, one of, one of, I, I'll say it, it's one of my favorite movies. Okay. Midnight in Paris. Okay. Absolutely love it. It's just like everything that everything, everything that I kind of love about film or it's stories that kind of stories that I like. Um, and there's this scene where, um, Owen Wilson has met, um, oh, He's met, I mean, Kathy Bates character, who's like this famous literary, like agent editor. I think she was a pretty prolific writer herself. Yeah. But anyhow, he gives her a copy of his book and he's like, he's like, would you read my, my book? (laughs) Um, and so she does. And so he comes back like later, like goes back in time again and sees her and he's just like, he's like, what did you, what did you think? Right. And I, yeah, I only caught this after like watching it, like for the third time and her feedback for him, like she was just like, she's like, you're a very good writer, but I just don't understand like why you're just like, she's like, why you're so cynical. That's clearly not who you are. <laughs> right. Like it was just like, I thought that like, I don't know if that's, it was something along those lines, but mm. I was like, what fucking brilliant kind of feedback, you know, that's like the support that we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's like, he didn't know her very well at all, but she was there like as a real encouraging supportive person who's saying like, yeah, I'm giving you some like honest feedback and I might smack you in the face a little bit, but I'm talking to really, who are you? Hmm. What is this thing that you were making that you were creating? I support you in being fully more who you are, what you are and what you're trying to do. Hmm right? And not just being like, well, this is my opinion on this and you should change this element and this element and that element. It was like cutting down to the, to the core of it, which is, you know, I think that's what we try to get to a lot on this show is like, let's, how do we go a little bit deeper? And why I almost like, why I was laughing when you're telling this story about this teacher talking to you, yeah, you know, like, like, Oh, you got to do this, this, and this. It's like, it's fucking, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a fucking joke. Like, come on. 
Like that's, I'm sorry. That's in my head. I don't even know what she said to you, but I know it's all like, yes or no. Like it, it's not really because it's all like most of these things that I find that, that people in terms of how they critique things. So like how people are critics and how people are teachers is on such a surface level. It's on such a surface level that it's like, you know, if you really want to help this person, you've got to go further underneath it because it's like, it's a thing that's, that's deep down underneath that's causing these things. These things are just symptoms of something else where there's an issue. Yeah. Right. It's exactly the symptoms. I mean, they're they're And, and, you know, I think that, um, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's about going deeper and I think that's the most important thing. And I think when you get really deep down into like the core of where someone's at, it becomes pretty simple. It's, it's not actually that complex. I think when people are trying to put all the surface shit on, it becomes very complex. Mm-hmm. Well, now to manage all these symptoms, you got to do this because your external, your environment, you're, you're, you're not strong enough with your environment. So you need to do all this environment work now. Okay. But you're not strong enough with your physical movement. So you need to do this physical movement thing. Yeah. And now you're not strong enough with this and that and that. And it's all this stuff about trying to mask and deal with these symptoms. And then it's like whack-a-mole. You hit one down, another one fucking pops up or yeah. three more pop up. Totally. Cause it's like, you're, <laughs> now you're fucking, now you're in your head. Fuck, 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 And you're trying to do this thing. You lost. To, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're trying to do everything right. And you know, eventually you just can't do anything right. And I think like, you know, I think Meisner is like a great place for people to start. I mean, just for me, like when I look at that, I mean, I, one of my first teachers was very big on the moment to moment. She didn't necessarily teach Meisner, but she was very big on the moment to moment. And I think that, and she was very much like work with what you got, which I really liked that mentality because she really taught me a certain amount of confidence to be like, okay, well, whatever I got is what I got. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring this to the table. Now there was some refinement and certain things I need to do on my craft, but I think that her model um, with, with the certain simplicity that she worked with, with that was it really helpful, you know? And I think that where things start to go astray was when you try to add on all these external things, you know? And I think that they, you know, they got to come from the right, they got to come from the right place. And I think when you're, when you're acting, or at least my experience of acting, I should say, or when I see an actor that really seems like they're in it, it's like, when I'm in it, I don't even know I'm really doing half the shit I'm doing, mm-hmm. but someone will say like, do you remember when you did this? And you, and you're like, and you're like, you're like, I did that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you did this. And like, you fucking, you leaned into her and you like, you kind of like nodded a little. Yeah. That was fucking crazy. And you're like, really? I did. <laughs> you're like, how do yeah. you think to do that? You're like, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> you know? Cause there's no, like, yeah, there is no thought, right? You're, you're there and like, and you're, it's weird. Cause like, like you've been at like, and I think like, you know, we, all of us as actors, we really work for these moments and when we have them, they're magical. And, and some of us maybe more than others, you know, but we're all in process. But when you're in those moments where, you know, you're truthfully connected, but you don't really know what you're doing, but you're just there. And it's like, something's coming out of you and it's informing all your behavior. And if you're not restricting yourself by your own self doubts and your own thoughts of like, you know, putting yourself in the way of what you're doing. Um, 
magical, beautiful shit happens. And I think when I think of actors, like acting teachers, writing teachers, when I think of people who are helping people with this, I think half of your job is helping that person just get out of their own way. Mm -hmm. That's half your job. The other half of your job is getting them to connect with what's inside of them. And then maybe like 3% is like, here's some strategy on dialogue. Here's some strategy on some structure. Yeah. That stuff's all fucking easy. I mean, like, dude, how much fucking do you need to really understand about structure? We all know there's three fucking X. We all know there's a climax. (laughs) We like, like there's a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. Like all that stuff is really important, but what is the fucking climax mean to you? What does it mean to be at the rock bottom? Moment? Why the fuck is it important? Yes. Why do you care? What do you know about that? I don't, I know. I know that there's a lot of writers that can bring me to a rock bottom moment on a very surface way. Cause they know how to fucking go. I know what I'll do. I'll kill off their mother and their children. And then they have to live there and they have no money left. And you're like, okay, great. And then they do that. It's like, they never felt a fucking iota of anything. Yeah. And it's like, what would that mean to you? What does it mean for you to lose everything? Like, what do you know about that? What's that like? Or what does it mean to have the highest climatic moment of your life or where you, you face something that was your greatest fear, but you did it anyway. What do you know about that? Yeah. It doesn't even fucking matter what you write at that point, because you could write anything. You could write about a fish in the water called finding Nemo and you can make that shit fucking epic. Or you can take some other movie like the departed or fight club or whatever. You can take any of this shit. If you figure out what it actually means to you, because it all has to come from the core. And I think like we're talking about manipulation, fucking writing and acting can be this big grand manipulation. It's all fucking lie. It's all surface bullshit. Yeah. It's like, let me impress you with my acting or impress you with my writing. Cause I know what I'm doing. It's all bullshit. Yeah. You know, that's 3% of it right? That's the easiest part. The hardest part is you getting out of your own way. And second, you connecting to why you're doing it, what it means to you. That's, and that's my opinion, you know, and I, I think it's a pretty fucking accurate one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I'm confident about it, yeah. you know, so until well, someone shows me different. We've had so many conversations about this stuff. It's like, you know, we keep stumbling upon some of these similar ideas yeah. over and over and over and over again. It's like, yeah, there's something about it. I mean, <laughs> even talking about like, you know, in acting, it's like when you're in it, it's like just this thing's like, you're in it. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. You're just, you're in it. Okay. Like time, time goes away. Like I go away and there's just something happening that I'm just like, holy fuck. <laughs> and I'm just hanging on. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's the where first, the magic fucking like happens, the first man. Time you're on a roller coaster and you fucking start diving down or you go over that first bump. Or have you ever been in a sports car and someone puts the, the, like a real sports car and someone puts the fucking pedal, the metal, and you get the G force of getting sucked back yeah. or like, you know, or sliding out on ice, you know, when you slide out on ice in a car, it's like, when, I don't know, I don't care who you are, but the first time you ever do it, you've never experienced it before, you start fishtailing or something, everything slows down. Like, it's like, and, yeah. and there's no, like, you know, it's, it's weird because you're just so present because you can't not be present in that moment because you're like, what yeah. the hell is happening? This is and, like, and that's what acting and writing kind of can become. It's like, it's this, it's yeah. a state of aliveness. Yes. I, that's how I have heard it characterized and, and how I like to think of it. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's a state of being alive. 
that's just so fucking alive. Yeah. Like, you're just like, whoa, like, I feel like I've just been sleeping <laughs> for the last, like, for, I don't even know how long before right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, I, I think that we got to, I mean, I think then, and that's, I don't know. I think friends are great in the, in you know, just to bring this all back. I think friends help you real friends help you to find your sense of aliveness and really connect to that. And like, you know, it's like that feedback she was saying, like, this is very cynical. This is not you. Your friends will help you say like, they'll, they'll see that in you. They go, you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, I think when, it, when someone comes from a place of like, I have very little vested interest, if not maybe none in what you do, but I see what you could do. That's when you really got like someone or like, I think that's why it's nice to work on a project together because you care more about the project, especially if you care more about the project than what you've contributed or what anyone else has contributed. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just care about the, the, the value of the project and you really are looking at that and you're going, you know, and you're trying to make that the best you can be. and, And if you remove as much ego out of that, you know, you can kind of have an experience of something right with that story. And I think that, you know, when you're working on a project with a friend, if you can both get out of your own way and both be truthful about what you really feel, I think magical stuff happens. And I think that, you know, I've written lots of stuff alone. I've done lots of things alone, but there is something magical about having a friend. Like when I think of these conversations, there's a certain aliveness that happens because we're connecting two minds, you know? And when we add a guest, it adds another element, you mm-hmm. know? And I always find when we add, if we add, we've done it a couple of times, we've added four and like two more guests, four people, it, it just, we, we need to talk for longer. There's just more uh, like to get out. You yeah. Know? And, and, but if you do it alone, you don't have that like friction spark of electricity between the minds, you know? Cause like, I think, my world in my own mind is very interesting for me communicating it outward. I don't know how interesting that always is for everybody else sometimes, but not always. But I think I could be talking about the most boring shit, but you connect me with another person. We start talking about it. All of a sudden boring shit can become really interesting because it's, there's a friction point. Like you can't just, yeah, there's a check you're, you're you're in check with the other person to some degree. Well, my man, Larry Silverberg, (laughs) So he was full of, he was a mentor for a reason for me in many ways, as much as I don't even know if he's aware of how much of a mentor he was, but like he, he always say, well, not always, I don't know how long he's been saying it, but he, he said when I was working with him, he said, the audience will get, um, you will be, you will be interesting once you get interested. Yes. Once you, when you're actually interested in something, when you're really genuinely interested in something, that's when you become interesting, Mm. right? It's not something that you do. It's something that's genuine, something Mm. that's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. What do you think about this beer? I was just thinking about it's time. I love it. I'm, I'm a, I think it's a big winner. It's got a, okay. I'm guessing that it's some type of like Hefeweizen or wheat beer. Okay. Hold on. Well, it's got like that foggy look to it. So it's got to be some like Hefeweizen or wheat beer or, or, uh, what's that other one they call it? Um, anyway, whatever. It's one of those. It's got a little bit of a lemony, no, not lemony. It's like, 
Ah, shit, I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. This is um, from Steamworks, and this is their flagship IPA, mm-hmm. which I bought it, like, untasted. Um, it won Best in Show at the BC Beer Awards last year. Nice. Um, so they describe it as this Northeast style IPA is generously hopped with mosaic galaxy and citra, Mm. um, pours cloudy with intense tropical fruit aroma that gives way to a balanced bitterness. Um, so yeah, 65 IBUs, 6.7%. It's a, it's, it's a hefty one. I definitely get the tropic aromas and the the citric thing. That's why I was like, it's lemon, but it's like not quite lemon. It's like kind of it's citrusy, but it's not, I wouldn't say like lemony. Um, yeah. And I, I guess it's got that IPA feel to it. I'm surprised it wasn't a Hefeweizen or a wheat beer. It's just the way they do it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. I agree. I let's, let's do it. Um, but um, I, I, this conversation actually reminded me of a quote I came across recently. Okay. And I think that this, this is how I'm going to summarize it. I mean, I'll just say it's like, I find this whole thing of, of friendship is really about the friendship that you give. I think that was the big thing for me in this, in terms of working with your friends, you can make everybody your friend yeah. by being a friend right. to whoever you're working with. Yes. Um, um, or I can let you go and then I can read this quote to talk, to finish it go off. Go ahead, read it. All right. Um, this is a guy named Jeff Foster. And I thought this just speaks so beautifully to friendship and relationship and stuff like that. So he says, um, I will always listen deeply to you, but I will never fix you, mend you, stop you feeling what you are feeling, or give you secondhand memorized answers. I will never pretend to be the one who knows, the enlightened one or some missionary for a conceptual truth far removed from real time, immediate first-hand present experience. I will not get into drama with you. I will not indulge and feed your stories and mental conclusions and fears. I will not mistake who you are for my story about you, my dream of who you are. But friend, I will meet you in the fires of hell. I will hold your hand there. I will walk with you as far as you need to walk and not turn away. For you are myself, and in the deepest recesses of our experience, we are intimately each other, and we cannot pretend otherwise. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the whole, that whole point about you or myself, I mean, that's, I mean, friendship is, begins when you see yourself really in the other person and, uh, you know, and you, and you can, and, um, you know, and I think that, um, when you have a certain amount of self love and acceptance and what I mean by self love is I, I feel like people throw that term around. It was thrown around for most of my early life, but I've realized what self-love and self-acceptance really is. But when I say self-love, I mean, when you have self-love, meaning that you love yourself at your absolute worst, you know, when you are at your ugliest, when you don't have makeup on, when you, you know, when you're puking and, and you're sick and you're depressed and nothing's working for you and you're broke, you know, and you, when you can love yourself, when you, when you feel like you have nothing, that's what self-love is. And if you can love yourself, then, then you can be a real friend for people because they don't, you won't be judgmental of them. You won't, they don't need to be better. They don't need to be anything more than what they are because you have a certain amount of acceptance for yourself as to who you are 
is, is all right. You know, I'm working with a writer and this is going to be my wrap up here. I'm working with another writer. He's a friend of mine. And, you know, he said to me, um, you know, he said to me, it's really interesting, just the dynamic of the way things are working together. Um, but you say, you know, come up with ideas so quickly, like your, your, your ability to just riff on an idea and like come up with something. And it's like almost instantaneous. And like, you know, he's feeling quite intimidated by keeping up at least at this point. And, you know, and, and he, I think he was, um, from what I understand, like a little bit insecure cause he felt like, you know, like maybe I can't keep up with what you're doing. I said, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You are where you're at. What I can, what I'm concerned about, if anything, is your attitude and your mentality. And I, you know, you'll get there. Like there's certain things that I've practiced. Maybe you haven't practiced, but there's probably other things that you might bring to the table that I'm not going to be strong at either. But I think like, you know, you can partner with anybody, but I think when it comes to friendship and being a friend, I think that you, it comes, it becomes about attitude and it becomes about mentality and it becomes about what you think you can give. And I also think that the person you choose to work with, I don't think that that's irrelevant. I still think that's a part, but you want to inspire them to have that type of excitement and that mentality and and whatever. The same things that are in you, you'll start to find will reflect in them because I think that the light always kind of um, exposes the darkness. Mm -hmm. But if you keep it dark in yourself, you'll keep it dark between both of you and you'll never know. Um, but at the same time, I do think you want to be mindful of who you choose to partner up with and make, and make decisions with, because some people are just not in a place where they're ready. doesn't matter how much compassion you have. doesn't matter how much light you have. doesn't matter how much you give. They are just simply not in a place where they bring enough to the table to meet you where you want to go and, and where you're at. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't make them wrong either, but hopefully in their own journey, there will come a time where they will come around, you know? And, um, I think that, you know, when it comes to friendship, don't make anybody wrong. Don't make yourself wrong. Be honest and authentic with where you're at and look more about how you can be truthfully you and give truthfully you and inspire a friendship partnership in creativity. Because when you have no one around that friendship still exists and it's your friendship with yourself. That's what I got. Beautiful. You got anything else to say? No, I think, uh, I think that I, yeah, I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) We've got nothing folks. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.